Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Thank you, Brother Gleason. I want to draw your attention tonight to the last chapter of the Gospel of Mark. If you were to take my Bible, open it, and if you were to just leaf through some of the pages, you would notice that there are some verses of Scripture that have been initialed. And those initials are TP. That means tried and proven. And these verses that I'm reading from tonight are initialed. In the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, Beginning at verse 15, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Look at your neighbor and say, That means you. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Say, that's me. Say, I am a believer. In my name, what is his name? Say it again. And again. In my name shall they cast out devils. Say, I have that power. They shall speak with new tongues. Say, I do it every day. Or at least I think you should. They shall take up serpents. We know that means accidentally. I'm totally persuaded that is true. It goes on to say, And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Say, what an insurance policy I am covered with. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Say, I have that power. Say, I am a believer. Look at your neighbor. Say, now you know what is wrong with me. Another portion of Scripture applicable to those things I want to transmit to you here tonight is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. The Apostle Paul wrote to his son in the Gospel, Timothy, And as I read these words, bear in mind they were spoken, written, preached 1,940 years ago from this year that we are presently living in. And as I read them, it sounds very much like the daily evening newspaper. For here, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 and said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, 
having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. In other words, forget them, leave them, cut them off, is what he's saying. Verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I simply want to entitle this tonight, The Reality of This Hour. Would you lift your hands, your voices, and your hearts, and would you pray sincerely with me for just a moment in time before you are seated? Lord Jesus, tonight, I thank you again for the wonder-working power of God that is in this house. I thank you for the miraculous that happened here last night for deliverance in the souls and hearts and minds of people. I thank you for the refreshing breath of the Almighty that is upon us here tonight. I praise you for the hunger and the thirst that I feel among your people in this sanctuary here tonight. Will you bind us together in one mind and one accord? I'm asking for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to rest upon us both individually and conglomerately and that you will anoint us both to hear and to speak. We will not fail to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. We ask these things in the matchless, resplendent, all-powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody shouted, Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Would you clap up roarlessly for just a moment? And would you shout with the voice of triumph? David of old said to clap your hands, all ye people, and shout with the voice of triumph because there is triumph in this house tonight. Hallelujah! Jesus! I worship you because you are God. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. In 1971, a prominent spokesman said, quote, By the year 2000, Christians will be a conscious minority surrounded by an arrogant, militant paganism. Unquote. If that is the way they felt in the 1970s, surely this can be echoed and re-echoed now in 2004. Because there are people who are against Christianity in this hour. It's in our government. It's in the state government. It's in the school systems. It's in the streets. It's everywhere you care to walk or where you have to live in this particular hour. People are trying to rise up against us. Why? The Bible says they hated Jesus because he convicted them. By the power of his preaching, he showed them that their deeds were evil. The Bible says men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Jesus said of his followers, ye are the light of the world. You and I bring light because we are lights against this present background of uncomparable darkness. 
Jesus said also to his followers, he said, ye are the salt of the earth. I grew up on a farm in Iowa. My father had a saying. He said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And that is true. But if you will sprinkle salt in his oats, you can't keep him away from the water. When Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth, in essence, in every common, everyday street vernacular, he was saying, you and I are like a human salt shaker. Everywhere we go, we shake a little of this gospel. It's a salt. It causes a thirst to begin to rise in the hearts and souls of those that you work with, that you walk among, and they will begin to thirst. You know what the problem is? I'll tell you what it is. It's not they don't want it. It's just that they want to make sure that you really have what you say you have because they do not want to be deceived, and they do not want to be taken in and be embarrassed. But if, after they have run you through it they are persuaded that you have what you say you have they will come running they will come running because there's a hunger out there unlike anything that has ever existed in the 41 years that I have been in this we are the light of the world we are the light of this world and we are the salt of the earth you need to give yourself as it were a hand clap you need to give yourself a pat on the back why don't you clap your hands and shout to Jesus I am what I am because of you hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus do you feel like just shouting to the Lord I said to the Gleasons today, I'm so glad I know what I know. I'm so thankful I understand what I understand. We know where we were, we know where we are, and we know where we are going. The man on the street doesn't know that, but I know that, and you know that. That's why if I didn't preach another word, you could begin to run these aisles and shout for joy and remember the day when he called your name, when he took you out of darkness and gave you light and revelation that understanding came into your heart and life. Does anybody want to just try it? Is there anybody here tonight that is appreciative? Is there anybody here tonight that is just excited about what God has given you, about what God has done for you? There's a woman running right there. There's a man jumping up and down. There's a man running there. Why not? Why not do it here? Out there, they're going to be clapping tonight, going wild over discos and bars and dancers and singers and performances. Why not do it in the house of God? Who has done more for you than this Jesus of Nazareth? You and I, you and I bring conviction of sin Everywhere we go. I walked into a drugstore in upstate New York where I live in Schenectady. I went in and there were some stools along a little counter. And I just sat down there. had something I was looking at, some mail. And I just ordered a strawberry malted milkshake. I think basically that's more or less normal in this culture here. I wasn't paying any attention, but down about three or four stools from me, there was a man seated there, and I was just minding my own business, waiting for the malt. He turned to me and very loudly said, you send forth powerful vibrations. 
I turned and said, you want me to tell you what it is? Because, and I began to unload on him. You don't understand what you've got inside of you. You don't understand who it is that lives inside of you. When you look at me, I may look like I'm alone, but I am not alone. He's in me. He's inside of me. It's a fire. It's a power. It's a wind. It's a strength. It's an energy. And what we forget, every time you go to the grocery store, the Holy Ghost goes to the grocery store. You go anywhere, He goes with you. That's why after services like last night and tonight, I don't really like to go out to restaurants. Because when you walk in, you forget what you are carrying inside of you. I've walked into restaurants after services like these, sometimes by myself or with just one other person, to eat after a service and everybody in the restaurant stop eating and just look at me and I've checked everything over to see if everything's intact nothing's missing I'm intact nothing is missing but they, they feel something they see a light they feel something they can feel the power of the Holy Ghost now if we'll all go to the same restaurant I'll go because we'll take the place over it's just I don't like to go by myself because if we get in there and get to worshiping, there's no telling what would happen. And I prophesy to you tonight, it's coming to that. There's coming a day when it will happen. And we will begin to do that. And there will be that kind of boldness upon us as a people. Several years ago, I was in Idaho. I was preaching in Twin Falls, Idaho. And there was a man in that church. His name was Scott. He reminded me of what I think David of old must have been like. He danced. He always played a tambourine. He would lift his knees and dance and worship God. He was a delight to watch. And the magnetism of that and the inspiration and anointing of that would just sweep over a congregation. One night, they brought a man with cancer. His leg was swollen twice its size. It was, he was on the front seat here. An, an ottoman was brought in and his leg was propped up. And in the course of that service, that man was healed of that cancer. And the swelling went down. And he was dancing out there in front of the people. People. people got the Holy Ghost. Well, the service went on until 11 or 11.30. But most of those young mothers with the children went home after a while. And it left four or five of those young men there. And they decided about quarter of 12 they would go out and have pizza after the service. And so they all piled into a van there. And they went to the pizza hut. But... Scott still had the tambourine in his hand and they got out of the out of the bed and they began to walk toward the pizza hut he still had the tambourine it's like his hand was just glued to it and they walked in the entryway of this pizza hut and I don't know what happened somebody bumped him but those little things on the tambourine jingled and when they did his knee came up like that and when it came up the other he got to dancing and he he danced through the doorway into the pizza hut the people you talk about bringing a party to a screeching halt everything came to a screeching halt and scott is dancing and worshiping god the manager came running he was so angry he said what is this and Scott stopped and he said, we've just come from a service where God healed a man of cancer. People were delivered. People received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That, that manager of that pizza hut 
tears began to run down his face. He reached towards God. He said, I've been looking for something like this all of my life. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If my voice would do it tonight, I feel like screaming. I feel like shouting to the Lord with my voice. I feel like heralding him, lifting him up because he is so mighty. Hallelujah. Everybody shout hallelujah. Oh, do it again. One more time and clap your hands. Hallelujah, Jesus, I worship you because you are God and there is none beside thee. Hallelujah. We, we bring conviction of sin everywhere we go and the world doesn't like that. And in most cases, they don't want to hear the truth. They're not even interested in hearing. And if you look at the world scene in this hour, if you read the news, if you hear and see what's going on in this world, this world is a seething inferno of terror and debauchery and evil and murder and war. It's almost unprecedented in human history because it's not just a couple of nations. It is seemingly in every nation of the earth. The whole world is just a seething inferno, as I've stated, of all kinds of debauchery. I came into this 41 years ago. I used to preach when I first got out of Bible school that perilous times are coming. I don't preach anymore that perilous times are coming. Perilous times are not coming. They are here. Now. It's enough to strike fear in our hearts if we allow it to. Just listening, just watching, just seeing. It's enough to strike fear in you. The uncertainties, the insecurities, the waves of spiritual darkness that seem to sweep over from time to time. Like, have you noticed in the news, And there'll be a wave of suicide. That's a devil that comes across the country. Then there'll be a wave of all kinds of murders, and then that'll pass. And then there's another wave of something. And it's just, there's always something seemingly in the air. And it can strike fear inside of you. But if we look again at history, we see and understand that we are not the first to be surrounded by an arrogant, militant, paganistic world. In 33 AD, in the very beginning, Christianity was thrown to the lions basically as soon as it was born. It was projected into a world that was under a sophisticated, degenerate system, like an infant child trying under its own strength to get out of the Grand Canyon. So the infant church in the beginning seemed hopelessly walled in by a canyon of world power. To the left was the mighty monolith of the Jewish controlled religion. 
to the right stood the sheer face of the Greek reason bombarding this newfound thing called Christianity. Sharply straight ahead strode the mighty octopus of the Roman Empire, entangling everything in its path. Would any sane person dare to suggest that the believers of that hour and that day were not a conscious majority, but they were a minority? Here is the glory of the gospel. Twelve ignorant, unlearned men, for the most part, in a few short years, a handful of socially unintelligent men with empty pockets and empty hands turned their world upside down for the Lord. In fact, scholars, theologians, historians say of Nero that Nero was probably one of the most infamous, one of the most degrading specimens of humanity that has ever lived and ever walked on the face of planet Earth. Nero was the first Roman emperor to persecute Christians. It started under his particular reign. He wanted to rebuild the wooden city of Rome in marble to leave a marble monument to his memory. He basically had the city set on fire. He was behind it and then blamed the Christians for it. What's interesting about all of this, in the Roman Caesars that succeeded him under Diocletian, so many Christians had been slaughtered, just torn to pieces by the beast in Maximus Circus and the Colosseums of the Roman Empire, that what fragments of human bodies, your brothers and your sisters and mine, that was left and was picked up by the soldiers and the guards who took care of those places of entertainment, it was chopped up like hamburger and sold in Roman meat markets to the Romans as household food or pet food for their dogs and their cats. It was so terrible. But here is the thing that has always just absolutely fascinated me. The history says, church history says, that the wife of Nero was a believer. She had heard about the man from Palestine, Paul, an apostle, in the prison, in the Mamertine prison across from the Roman Forum. And evidently she went there to hear him. And by hearing his preaching, she was converted to Christianity. That means she had the Holy Ghost. She was baptized in Jesus' name. History says she was a believer. Do you hear me tonight? In the beginning, there was only one kind of Christianity. You were either an out-and-out -out heathen and pagan, you were a Jew, or you were a Christian. And there was only one kind of Christianity in the beginning. Everybody knew in the beginning, if you said yourself you were a Christian, they knew that you believed that this Jesus was the invisible God of the Old Testament, made visible in the New, that he had come down into the earth, Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. They knew that he had been crucified, buried, that he rose from the tomb, and that his followers had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were buried in water in his name and they knew that these signs followed them that believe. The believers, they knew that early Christians could lay hands on you and you would be healed of all manner of diseases. That you believe that there was only one God, not two, not three, but only one God. That was Christianity in the beginning. Oh. Now I meet people all over the country and the world they say I'm a Christian it means nothing 
You have to find out what kind of a Christian they are before you can even begin to negotiate them. There are all kinds of Christians, but in the beginning there was only one kind of Christianity. And when history says that the wife of Nero was a believer, that means she was one of those early believers that believed exactly what I've outlined here for you. The moral of that story is they can fight you, they can fight me, but you cannot fight the God that is in us. You cannot fight the God that is inside of us. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing anyone can do. There's nothing anybody can do. You know why I'm so positive about everything? I'll tell you why. Because I've got it, and I know that I've got it. I've got it, and I know that I've got it. And nobody can ever take it away from me. It's like a fire. It's a consuming fire. Oh, it is a power unlike anything this world has ever known. I've listened to professors, theologians, scholars. They all state it was Christianity that toppled the Roman Empire. Christianity in the beginning shook the Roman Empire from center to circumference. I was telling the, Brother Gleason today, I've been in this for 41 years. I've watched us. I've lived among you. I've preached all over this country and out of this country and many parts of the world. What's very sad to me about us is that we have become our own culture. In other words, we come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night in most places. We have some kind of a midweek Bible study. There may be a youth service one night somewhere and maybe a week prayer meeting. We have a do's and don'ts. We all show up at the point of time. And we've just become a culture. This has become a way of life for us. It's a, we have our own Pentecostal culture. But what's really sad about it is that most of our people are not really personally involved with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nor do they have a burning passion to win the lost. They don't have a burden to win the lost. They just come to church, and if you don't burn up alive in front of them and give them some new thing they've never heard before, they just sit there. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm not here to try to tickle your ears with some new story and in-depth ecclesiastical theological expertise. I'm not interested in that. I've got a hold of something that is a fire. It is a power. And we need to stir up the gift that is inside of us. We need to go back. Somebody said it tonight. We need to go back to the point where we first met him, where we first found him. Can you remember the day that he first called your name? Nobody ever spoke my name the way he speaks my name. And God, God in this hour is trying to awaken us. He's trying to awaken us. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying desperately to get your ear. He's trying to get us as believers to wake up, to realize who we really are. You know what would happen if every one of you got a burning desire to reach the lost and every one of you won a soul by the middle of next year? You, all of your churches would double. Every church that is represented here would double if every one of our people would make it a point to fast and pray and cry to God until they won somebody. They reproduced this in their life. It would double everything and it would shake our communities. It would shake our communities. 
Well, you don't seem to be too excited about it, but I am. I've got what it takes. I've got what it takes. You've got what it takes. These signs shall follow them that believe. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I can lay hands on. They will be healed. I speak with tongues. I can cast out devils. I've got the power. I've got the resurrection power. I've got the resurrection power of this man called Jesus. Would you clap again? Would you shout with your voice? Hallelujah. Jesus, I don't want to be just a culture. I want, I want to have what I read about in this book. I want to see it and I want to do it. The Christians, they toppled the Roman Empire in the beginning. There was nothing that could fight it. The lions couldn't eat them, the walls couldn't hold them, and the fires couldn't burn them. There was nothing that could be done. That is why right now in communist China, and I am connected to the underground church in China, and that's about all I can tell you, but I'm doing some things. I'm involved with some things. You know what the communist party, party in China fears more than anything else? They fear Christians getting together in large numbers. They fear it more than anything. That's why right now in communist China, it is illegal in communist China, mainland China, to be caught in any kind of a Christian service with more than 10 people present. If there are, they are arrested and most of them are executed, killed without mercy because they fear Christians getting together in large numbers. They don't know how it works. They just know that when Christians mass together, there is a power that can topple empires. And they fear that more than anything else in the world. But with the connections I have, I am told that there are at least five million Christians in the underground church in China. And I am told that all of them are basically baptized in Jesus' name because they've never heard anything else. And I've watched films of toothless aged people with their hands shaking and song leaders spinning and falling and rolling on the floor and old people just shouting and speaking with tongues in caves where there were hundreds and hundreds of them. Again, I reiterate, they may fight you and they may fight me, but they cannot fight the God that is inside of us. There's no way to fight this Jesus because there is no power like unto his power. There is no glory like unto his glory. If you believe that, shout again. Oh. Oh. May be seated. I'm headed on Tuesday to Sydney, Australia, stopping in Australia, uh, Hawaii on the way back, doing a conference. Then in December, I head again for Singapore, and we go into Malaysia, which is a Muslim country, for a camp meeting. I think this is the ninth year in a row I preached it. The Willoughby's missionaries in Singapore have an incredible program. It's called the Barnabas Project. By that, it simply means to them that they raise funds all year long and they raise quite a bit. And what they do is, we have a contact in China, and that's all I can say, but we get money to them, 
and we pay plane fares, lodging and everything they do with this Barnabas Project for husbands and wives and individuals from the underground church in China. They fly them to Kuala Lumpur, which is the capital of Malaysia, and we pick them up and they, they come to the camp meeting. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. These people are not allowed to do what you've done here tonight. They can't lift their voices. They can't be loud. They can't be emotional. They're not allowed to do it. When they get the Holy Ghost, it's almost quietly. They speak with tongues, but they can't. They, they can't because it attracts attention and the communist government fears it. So they're very, very, very pressured to just worship quietly. That's why I don't understand Americans. You can do what you want to, and you don't do it. These people would love to do it. They can't. We can. People, listen to me. When you come to church, you ought to sing whether you feel like it or not. You need to clap your hands whether you feel like it or not. You need to worship God whether you feel like it or not. Can you give me some more volume here? Hallelujah. Oh, for example, if you come to church and you're exhausted and you've worked hard all day, I know many of you do, you may be seated, you'll be up again. Let me tell you. <laughs> if you come to church and you're exhausted, now, most of you, I'm assuming, you have basically churches with pews. If you're too tired to raise your arms, your hands, at least you can prop your elbow up on the back of the pew, but you can get your hands in the air. And if you don't have pews, go to a brother or sister and say, look, I'm out of it, man. I'm exhausted. Could I just borrow your shoulder? I want to worship God. If you can just manage to get your hand in the air, and if you got enough strength, just sort of wave it just a little bit. He likes it! He likes it! Hallelujah! We need to worship God whether we feel like it or not. I'm going to clap. I'm going to shout. I'm going to tap a foot. I'm going to wave a hand. I'm going to get involved. Oh, you may be seated. One year, they had about eight couples come from mainland China. And there was a teenage Chinese boy that had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. His first name is Tim. I can tell you that much. He had never seen fellow Chinese emotional, weeping or crying or clapping or doing the things we do. But in the camp meeting, there are a number of Chinese from Singapore and also Malaysia that are just free to worship, and they were doing it. And all of those couples would grip the back of the pew or the seats in front of them and just stare at each other and look at fellow Chinese worshiping like this because they'd never done it and they'd never seen it. So in the altar service, people were just worshiping, crying to God. Tim was just standing, and I walked over to him. And he said, Brother Stone King, he said, I've never seen anyone cry and worship Jesus. He said, can I do that? Would that happen for me? I said, yes, Tim, it will. If you'll stand right here and just lift your hands, 
close your eyes, fasten your attention upon the Lord, and begin to worship him. He has drawn you like a magnet. He will fall upon you. That boy lifted his hands and began to worship, and tears began to stream down his face. That boy shook and trembled and began to speak with tongues. He did that for over 30 minutes. And I watched him when he stopped that. Brother Arcovia, when he stopped that, he just stood there and I thought, what's he doing? What he was doing, he was looking over the whole altar service. He looked until he saw the hottest spot in the altar service. He ran to the hot spot. If they were jumping up and down, he tried it. He jumped up and down with them. When that cooled off, he ran over here where they were just shaking and trembling. When that cooled off, he ran over here. I stood there and cried. I broke down sobbing. I have never seen such hunger in my life. Oh, oh, now his mother and father have the baptism of the Holy Ghost because I saw him this summer. His mother and father have the Holy Ghost. Oh, but those couples that came, one of them was a licensed pastor by the communist government. He had permission to hold meetings. He had permission to travel, pray for people, and the government watches him. What they didn't know was in addition to the church, he pastured underground, that on, on top, above ground, that they watched. He also pastored an underground church that they didn't know about. <coughs> Excuse me. So, I went to Brother Willoughby and I said, could I have a private audience with some of these people? I just want to talk with them. He said, sure, of course, I can arrange that. So he did, and a couple other pastors and myself went, and they had a room. And they took us into this room. And we walked in the room. They said, you cannot tell anything that you hear here. And you can never mention names when you get out of here. And be careful preaching it because it can be on tape if you use names. So we agreed. We went in. Well, most of them really cannot speak English. But there was one man that could speak English because he ran a factory of a sort somewhere in China. And they want to tell you their testimony. They're so excited about telling you how they found Jesus. So this one man who owned this factory, he told me, he said, Brother Stone came, he said, there is no religion in China. The country is sterile. There's nothing there. There hasn't been for over 50 years because communism outlawed any kind of religion. There's nothing there. And communism as a religion failed, and there's such hunger. He said, but I found a New Testament accidentally and began to read it. He said, by reading the New Testament, I came to believe that Jesus was God. I wasn't there. You wasn't there to preach it. But faith coming by comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That doesn't mean to just hear it preached. If you just spend time reading the Word of God, faith rises in your heart. Revelation opens for you and you see. This man saw and came to believe that Jesus, Brother Kleindance, was God. Revelation. He prayed to this Jesus that he had found and asked him to, and he saw water baptism in Jesus' name by immersion. He prayed that he would find someone to baptize him, and he did. He was baptized in Jesus' name and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then he read in Mark, 
these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents if they drink any deadly thing. They shall lay hands on the sick, etc., and they shall be healed. His father had a huge growth on the side of his throat, his neck. And they, they live in the country. They have dirt floors. You could practically push the little huts over with your hands. They, they're so poor. There's no hospitals. There's no doctors. But this man who had found out that Jesus was God, and now he had his name, and he had his spirit, and understood what believers had a hold of, he went to his father. And they're very respectful to their elders and their parents. He got down in front of his father took a hold of his knees and he said father I have become a Christian he said I am a believer and I have read in the Bible that believers have this power they can lay hands on the sick and they will recover and they will be healed he said I am now a believer I'm going to ask Jesus if you will permit me to pray to heal your neck and the father said yes son you may pray for me and that boy reached his hands to his father and prayed in Jesus name and that growth disappeared before his eyes while he was watching oh oh I'm listening to this and I'm crying and then <clears throat> I looked at this pastor that was pastoring the underground and I he speaks no English at all a very dignified looking man very nice looking individual <clears throat> and through I said, I want to ask him a question. And they said, fine. I said, I understand that in addition to the church you pastor above ground, you also pastor a church in the underground secretly. I said, is that true? And he answered, and it was translated to me, yes. I said, I want to ask you, how many people do you pastor in the underground church in China and when the translation got through to him I'll never forget this I'll never forget it he just fell back against the wall threw his hands in the air and cried out in Chinese too many and it finally was translated to me I didn't want to be obtrusive I didn't want to go too far but I wanted to know so I said to him how many is too many he looked at me he became very serious and his eyes flooded with emotion and he poured out something in Chinese, and then it was translated to me. He said, I pastor by myself over 20,000 people. <laughs> he doesn't have John Maxwell. He doesn't have all the books that we get from Springfield, Missouri. But I'll tell you what he does have. He's got the goods. He's got the real thing. He's got the Holy Ghost. He's baptized in Jesus' name. He's got the power, and he's got demonstration, and that's what we need. Do you hear me tonight? If we spent as much time reading this book as we do other books, we'd have dreams and visions and revelations and insight to God. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to see Jesus through the eyes of other people. I want to see him through the eyes of Paul, through the eyes of Peter. I want to see him through your eyes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus! Oh. Oh. Lift your hands and just cry to God for a moment. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We have got to somehow get a hold of more than just traditional Pentecostalism. I don't want to be just a traditional Pentecostal. I want to be an apostolic Pentecostal. I do not want to just be an apost just a traditional Pentecostal. Rather, I want to be an apostolic Pentecostal. I want to be able to lay hands. I want to see the miraculous. I want to see it. And I have seen it and I am seeing it. Oh, You see, Brother Stone King, why are you preaching like this? Why are you going through this like this? Because in the beginning, if 12 ignorant, unlearned men, for the most part, could turn their world upside down, I've come here tonight to say, if they did it in their day, we're going to do it in our day. If they could do it, we're going to do it in our day. We're going to turn our world upside down. We're going to turn our world upside down. We're going to turn our world upside down. It's already begun. It's already begun. It's already begun. The liberals, just in this recent election, the liberals and Hollywood has come to understand that the conservative Christian element in this country is a very large dominating force and they have no way to fight it. There is no way to fight it because you can't fight it. You cannot fight God. You cannot fight His Word. I stand upon the Word of God! Hallelujah! I refuse to be cowered by a corrupted system. I refuse to bow to an unbelieving world. I refuse to bow to a mocking crowd. I refuse to bow to the worldly crowd of Noah's day. I refuse to bow to the writhing serpent of immorality. I refuse! Jesus is greater! He is greater than anything out there because it is written greater. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Say greater. Say I've got that greater. Then why don't you act like it for a moment or two? Why don't you just do the thing that you know to do? Why don't you just stir up the gift that is inside of you? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Some of you are dancing. Some of you are shouting. Some of you are weeping. Some of you are trembling. Some of you are shaking. Because of the anointing in this house. Because of the power of God in this house. Jesus, Jesus, say greater, 
is he that is in me that he that is in the world that ought to cause you to clap shout dance tremble shake run leap for joy greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world there's nothing greater there's nothing greater than what i have inside of me there's nothing greater it's the name of Jesus of Nazareth. It's the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah! Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You may be seated. We say there is light and there is darkness. We say there is positive and there is negative. We say there is right and there is wrong. We say there is God and there is the devil. Wrong! God doesn't have an opposite equal. You can't compare God to anything because there is none greater and there is none equal. God has no equal. God has no equal. He has no equal. I've been in this for 41 years. I've never been as excited as I am now. I've never been so wound up as I am now. I've never been so excited. I am determined. I am determined. People, we've got nothing to lose now. Everything to gain. This thing is not going to go on. Jesus is coming. I doubt we've got 20 years left. I don't think this thing is going to keep on going. If you've ever lived for God, you better live for Him now. If you've ever got to pray through, you better pray through now. If you're ever going to get the victory you better get the victory now because he's going to come one of these days I I am so weary of people being intimidated by the devil I'm sick of it in the book of Job the devil had to get permission from God before he could even touch Job the devil cannot stay where he is not wanted. If you don't want him, he can't stay there. He's not that powerful. Mm. Mm. Maybe seated. The maniac of Gadara. Incredible story. Almost unbelievable account, actually. I've read it many times. I've been to Gadara in Israel. I've been there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. When Jesus, during his earthly ministry, there was a maniac in Gadara. He, he lived among the tombs of the dead, naked, cutting himself with rocks and stones. The whole city was fearful of him. They feared because of the wildness, the demonic nature of this man. He lived in the tombs among the dead. People who serve the devil always live among the dead. But one day, this Jesus embarked on a little boat and set sail down the shoreline to gather up when the bow of that little craft scraped against the sand in the shallow waters. 
of the shoreline, and that sandaled foot stepped out of the boat and rested upon the shores of Gadara. This is the most incredible account. This maniac's name was Gadara, and from Gadara was Legion. This maniac of Gadara, his name was Legion. He was known by that name. Legion is a Roman military term. It meant a particular number of soldiers, according to which scholar you read after. It could be as low as 3,000 in the Legion, or it could be 6,000. So we'll be conservative here tonight. We'll use the 3,000. The maniac was controlled by, possessed by, afflicted by, whatever is your favorite terminology, he was under the influence of at least 3,000 demon forces. His name was Legion. But what is incredible, miraculous to me, what is scintillating to me, almost it just causes me to tremble. Read the text for yourself when you get home. This maniac of Gadara controlled by at least 3,000 devils, a whole city feared him. The Bible says he came and worshipped at the feet of Jesus. What does that mean? It means that 3,000 devils were not stronger than his human will. That's what that means. He came because in his own will, in his own flesh, he wanted, he felt to worship this Jesus, and he came, and he knelt down, and he worshipped. There's nobody here tonight with 3,000 devils. If that maniac could worship, what's your problem? I want to know. Why can't you get with the program? Why can't you get it together? If 3,000 devils could not stop the maniac, don't come to me with your excuses. I don't want to hear it. You can worship him. You can live for him. The devil cannot stay where he is not wanted. You can cast him out. You know what you ought to do? You ought to go to the window of your life and soul and open it wide and say, Devil, come here. Out of my life. Out of my life. Out of my life. I want you out. Guess what? He's got to go because greater is he that is in you. Oh. Is anybody excited that I am? I am excited about what I feel in this house tonight. You people are a wonderful people. There's a power inside of you. If I can get that power stirred up and you'll begin to release that power, you will become a terror on the job. You'll become a terror in your neighborhood. You will not be able to be stopped. Since I've been through what I've been through, I have talked to the devil. I don't pray to him, but I've talked to him. I've said, devil, you can't have me. You can't have my power. You can't have my life. You can't have anything about me unless God gives it to you. And remember, Satan, 
I am covered with prayer. I'm covered with the blood of Jesus. I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I'm buried in His name, and I'm sealed with it. And if you go after me, I'm going to give you a fit. I'll give you a fit. I'll give you a fit. I'll back you away because I've got the power to do it. In the name of Jesus, devils tremble. They tremble. They tremble in fear, and they back away because it is written. They cried out to Jesus, Why have you come to torment us before our time? You know what is going on in your city? If you could just hear, if you could just hear, the devils are saying to every pastor here, why have you come to torment us in our city before our time? We've come because we're going to rout you out. We're going to rout you out, devil. We're going to rout you out. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Three or four questions. If it is not us, then who? If we don't have it, then who does? Where is he? Where is she? I want to meet him. I want to meet her because I do not want to have missed it. But the word of God in my experience screams the affirmative. I have not missed it. Mm. Mm. Maybe seated. And now I am where I want to go with all of this. I've preached since 1967. I've pastored three times. I've done foreign work. I've preached evangelistically all over. But you know what? I'm not interested anymore in just doing the traditional evangelistic scene. I'm not into that. Not after where I've been. I don't want to do that anymore. I am preoccupied with one thing now, and that is to, by the help of God, awaken you to the revelation understanding of who you really are as a believer. For example, I was just in Pensacola, Florida, probably a month, month and a half ago. Brother Kinsey, the Welches. And I told them, I said, I'm not going to preach like I have preached here before. I've come to transmit to you the demonstration of the Spirit of God and power. I've come to help you to become awakened to who you are as a believer. And there must have been at least, I think, 2,500 people there. It was a big conference, and then they have a large church. And the power covered in that place. I mean, people got the Holy Ghost. There was deliverance. I don't know how I got a hold of this. I really don't know how I got a hold of this. But in services where I've been, one night, the Holy Ghost fell over here, deliverance fell, and swept across that entire conference. And people were delivered en masse. It was just incredible. It was miraculous. And so there was a lot of that in that meeting. And, um, and people got the Holy Ghost. There were people that had been healed. But on Sunday night, I worked to transmit who we are as believers. And the power of God fell on that place. And the altar area just flooded with people. And I got in among them again to pray. And young people, they were huddled together like football huddles, shaking and trembling and dancing and screaming and would not let go of each other. People had fallen on the floor, on the steps, going up to the platform. And, 
and there were there were healings taking place all of a sudden a sister from that church got somehow she was crippled she got through to me and she grabbed a hold of me she said well the stone king she said i was in a car accident three years ago she said i was driving my husband was in the front seat my sister and her husband were in the back seat she said there was a semi truck on the highway in front of us and she said that semi jackknifed and there were, we could not avoid it. There was nothing that could be done. We were in a terrible accident. My husband was killed. My sister's husband was killed. And my body was broken. And I am all crippled up. She said, I need healing. I've come to you for healing. I said, do you believe when I take hold of your hands that you will be healed miraculously? She said, yes, I do. I grabbed a hold of her hands. I said, Lord Jesus, I command in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this body to be made whole now in Jesus' name. That woman went back like this. She leaned forward like this. She went like this, like this, and she began to kick her legs high in the air, scream and shout and dance. She was miraculously, totally healed instantaneously. She had brought a neighbor with her who was a non-Pentecostal. That neighbor came to me, grabbed me, said, your brother's talking. I said, yes. She said, I know that woman. I know she was crippled. She's my neighbor. She said, whatever you did for her, do it for me. I said, here it comes in Jesus' name. She fell backwards, healed healed that's the kind of power i've got a hold of that's the kind of power you've got a hold of that's the kind of power that is inside of you as a believer say i've got that power say i've got that power oh ah well when the people saw that i mean they came running they were grabbing me. Everybody in the church, it looked like, wanted me to pray for them. And I said, no. I said, let me get out of here. Let me get to the pulpit. I got in the pulpit. I said, no. I am not making a healing line. I am not anointing every one of you. I am not laying hands on you. It'll take all night. You are the believers. These signs shall follow them that believe. I'm a messenger. You are believers. You're going to pray for each other. You're going to do the praying. And they got to praying. They began to lay hands on. Young people were praying. People were healed of all kinds of things. The Holy Ghost fell the place. Brother, Brother Kinsey was weeping. He said, Brother Stokey, I've never seen anything like this. He said, we've never seen anything like this. The Holy Ghost swept through that place and the power of God fell. That's the best thing I could do for any of you is to awaken you to who you really are. Say, I am a believer. You may be seated. And I'm going to close with this, I think. <laughs> I was in Singapore in July. I've been going there about four, four years in the summer, preaching uh, an encounter Jesus crusade. We've had hundreds get the Holy Ghost, at least three or four hundred I can remember. And this year we had 59 people get the Holy Ghost. But I went with something different this year. Brother Willoughby had announced to the people... He said, Brother Stone King is coming this year to transmit the demonstration of the Spirit of God in power to this church. Well, I didn't know that until I got there. Then he tells me. So, I said, Jesus, I am going to do exactly that by your grace and by your help. So I began, and the power of God moved in that place. And 
they told me, they said, Brother Stone King, on Saturday night, they're bringing two Muslim men in wheelchairs that are crippled. I said, fine. And so I went Saturday night, and it uh, must have been about 700 people probably in that auditorium where they worship. And I looked around, and over here next to the wall, there were two crippled men in wheelchairs, and obviously they were of Middle Eastern descent. One was an older man, one was younger. And I knew that God would ask me to go to them somewhere during my preaching, but I always wait until he tells me when. So I started preaching, and the power of God swept through that place. The older man was totally paralyzed in his hands, his arms, his legs, his feet, and he had a big old towel over his shoulder because he, his head was sideways. He kept drooling from the mouth. He kept wiping the spittle away, just wiping it away. And the people from that church that witnessed to him, you know what that Muslim told those Pentecostals from that church? They said, since I've been put in the nursing home, none of my family comes to visit me. My family doesn't love me anymore. And the God that I have prayed to all of my life, he doesn't hear. He can't help me. And he doesn't love me either. And they looked at him, believers, and said, but Jesus does. That's the difference. Oh, what a difference. So, <clears throat> while I was preaching, I didn't know this till later, while I was preaching, the people who brought him, his hands were shaking, his feet began to shake. They knew then that feeling had come back to the arms and to the legs. The paralysis had gone. I didn't know until later. So all of a sudden, God said, now. So I went, got off the path, and I began to walk. I had a cordless mic to the younger man. He had a stroke. His arm was in a sling. It was all kept, you know, held up to his body like this. And I leaned over to him, and I said to him, I said, please don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you, but I'm going to walk you in Jesus' name. I said, and I'll hold you. You won't fall. So I put his arm through my arm, pulled him up, and I just held him in close. And I said, I'm going to walk you in Jesus' name. And I said, just try to walk with me. And so I said, in Jesus' name. Every step we took, I said, in Jesus' name. That's where it is, you know. I said, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. All of a sudden, he caught his own weight. I knew God had healed him. I said, folks, I, I'm steadying him because he's been so weak. I said, but he's walking on his own. I am not doing that. The people just burst out with worship. And that Muslim knew that the Jesus he had just heard about had healed him. So he pulled his arm out of that sling and raised it above his head in the name of Jesus. And when he did, the Holy Ghost came on him. God filled that man with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they baptized him in Jesus' name. Then I went to the aged old man, and he had been paralyzed for a long time. I walked up to him, and I said, Pop, I'm not going to hurt you. I said, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you. I said, don't be afraid. And I pulled him up, and he stood there. I said, now I'm going to walk you in Jesus' name. You know, people, it's one thing to preach about it. It's another thing to go do it. And that's where we missed it.
You know why? Because we're afraid of our reputation. We're so afraid that it might not work. Look, the only reputation I've got is what he gave me. He can take it like that. I'm going to try it. If I can find it in the book, I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. And I challenge you to do it. You need to get involved with this in your churches. Ah. So, I pulled him up. And it was very difficult. I mean, because... I was dragging him because he had not walked. The muscles were atrophied in his legs. And he, he, but he was, he was working very little tiny steps. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. All of a sudden, I don't know, 20, 25 steps, I don't know, all across the front, all of a sudden, he cut his own weight. I could feel it. And I said, folks, he's walking on his own. I don't know how to explain this. There was such a deafening, deep roar of praise unlike anything I've ever heard and I don't have words to explain this either I really don't but Jesus when those people worship that way Jesus smiled I could see it I could feel it I was overwhelmed with it Jesus liked it he liked what he was seeing and what he was hearing those people came out of those seats they surrounded that old muslim man grabbed a hold of him he received the baptism of the holy ghost he was baptized in jesus name and they both are in oneness apostolic bible studies not studying about buddha not studying about muhammad they're studying about jesus And the news is beginning to spread through the Muslim community in Singapore that these miracles have happened to two of their own. It's beginning to shake everything because there's a shaking everywhere. There's a shaking everywhere. There is a shaking in this hour. Now, behind these two Muslim men, there was an aged Chinese man dying with terminal liver cancer. He was only skin and bones. His stomach was swollen the size of a, of a basketball. Here he sat. We made a circle around him and began to pray. And as we began to pray, all of a sudden, he began to weep and cry. He lost control of what he was saying. And his Buddhist relatives could not figure out what was going on. They were just staring. But God gave that aged Chinese man the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they took him to baptize him. When he began to walk down into the baptistry, the stomach went flat, just like that, right in front of their eyes. And I didn't have hands on him. I wasn't commanding. I wasn't doing it. Believers were doing it. Most of the things that happened in that crusade, I didn't do it. The believers did it. That was my goal. That was my goal. They took that old man to the hospital the first of that week because he had to go every, every few days to have all the water drained, the fluid drained out of his stomach. When they got him there, they couldn't understand what was going on with him. He was walking. He'd been walking around the house. There was no fluid to drain off. And now he's in a Bible study in Chinese studying about the power of this Jesus. In that church in Singapore, the Willoughby's have got a hold of a bunch of young Chinese teenagers. These kids come from wealthy, wealthy family. They families. They have degrees. They are college graduates. They're in college. These kids are brilliant. 
and they're Presbyterians, and the Presbyterian pastor doesn't want them coming, but these kids are so excited about speaking with tongues and clapping and dancing and running and shouting and seeing all of this happen. They don't care about anything. They just come to the meetings. Mm. When those teenagers saw those miracles Saturday night, Sunday afternoon was the last service, they went out and brought one of their friends that had been born deaf to the service. And when the power of God fell Sunday afternoon, those Chinese young people took that deaf boy against the wall over there up those steps and began to pray. And I walked in among them and I thought, they don't need me. They're transmitting all the faith that is necessary. So I backed off and just let them do it. And they wouldn't let go. After maybe 10, 15 minutes, I walked back in among them again. And they'd always make way for me. And I'd walk in. But they didn't need me because they were believers, young as they were. But they were transmitting the power that does the work. So I backed off. And I stood and did a lot of other things. In the end result, those kids prayed with that deaf boy for almost two hours. They would not stop praying. They would not let go until God opened both of those ears and that boy was holding his ears because he had never heard before and it was hurting. He walked out holding his ears because it was hurting. What I've come to say is this. There is no way you could ever convince those young people that these signs do not follow them that believe. They would laugh you to scorn. They will quote it correctly. These signs do follow them that believe. We have seen it. We have done it. And that's exactly what God is trying to get to happen here. That is exactly what he's trying to get to happen here among you. That smiling that I felt in Singapore from Jesus, I can feel it, Brother Gleason, in this audience again tonight. I can feel he likes what is going on in this sanctuary. He likes it. He likes what he feels here. <clears throat> oh. Lift your hands and let your voice out and worship the Lord. The presence and power of God is here. The gift of faith is in this house tonight. The working of the miraculous is here. There is faith rising powerfully throughout this service in the hearts of believers here tonight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do with us, Lord, exactly what you want to do now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Here to the Hora Kareha Reshata, 
Hiata lehata rohkara keresata. Alleluja. You may be seated. You may be seated for just a moment. The Holy Ghost is speaking to me. He is directing his voice, his energy toward every preacher that is in this auditorium here tonight. If you are a preacher of the gospel, the Holy Ghost has come to this place tonight to impart to you the demonstration of the Spirit of God in power and the working of miracles. If you believe that, if you have a desire for it, if you will stand to your feet right now and lift both hands and just begin to worship, there will be a mantle of power fall upon you unlike anything you have ever had in your entire ministry. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Don't be afraid. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There are young men that want to be in the ministry. You can feel that thing coming upon you. In the name of Jesus. 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 Such as I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Receive it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? I'm talking to you as a preacher. Can you feel it? Can you feel the thing upon you? Can you feel the power of God upon you? Hallelujah. 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 If you're a believer here tonight, turn and just look towards some preacher and reach your hands toward the preachers that are standing and begin to pray and command in the name of Jesus and worship. Just let your voice out. There should be a great authority in your voice now with what you have heard about here in this service tonight. It's the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it right there in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth by the authority of the word of God by the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus that's it son that's it that's it such as I have such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that's it that's it that's it that's it that's it that's it boy that's it you're never going to be the same you are never going to be the same in the name of Jesus of Nazareth in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You can feel it. Well, the kind that you can feel it in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I've received strength from you. I'm receiving strength from you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth by the authority of the word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus. That's it, that's it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. That's it, that's it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother Allard, Brother Allard, come here, come here. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I just feel like God spoke to me. If you lay hands on this man, because something miraculous will come into his life. In the name of Jesus. People, keep your hands in there. Let your voice out and keep worshiping. In the name of Jesus. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. You can feel it. In the name of, we agree together. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's it, that's it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
It's the day of Jesus. It's the day of Jesus. It's the day of Jesus. We agree together. We agree together, Brother Arcovio, that every preacher here will never be the same. We agree together. We agree together that the supernatural, that the miraculous, that apostolic authority will spread. It's the day of Jesus. It's the day of Jesus. It's the day of Jesus. The mantle, the mantle, the mantle that you have named, the mantle that you have named, Brother Gleason, is falling upon you. It's the day of Jesus of Nazareth. The working of the miraculous. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's the day of Jesus. Such as we have. Such as we have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Yes. It's the day of Jesus of Nazareth. Never to be the same. Never to be the same. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. Sister Gleason, an anointing is upon you. An anointing is upon you. An anointing is upon you. With graciousness. With graciousness and anointing. No doubt your voice has come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That's it. That's it. Anointing. Anointing. The heritage of your father. The heritage of your father. The heritage of your father is upon you. That's it. That's it. The anointing. Be fearless. Be fearless in the name of you. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yes. Is the name of Jesus? Is the name of Jesus? Is the name of Jesus? You young people right here in this area, get a hold of each other. Begin to pray for each other. There's something wonderful right here in this area, right here. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, such as I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the authority of the Holy One of Israel, whose name is Jesus of Nazareth. Yes. In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you are a visitor here tonight, the gift of faith is in this house. If you're a believer here tonight, and again tonight, if you need healing in your body, if you will lift your hands in the air and begin to worship God, healing will come right out of the air upon your body in the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Of Nazareth, be thou healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. body in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's it, Brother Dilda. That's it. Such as we have. Such as we have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth by the authority of the by the authority of the Word of God. In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it.
It's the day of Jesus. It's the day of Jesus. It's the day of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's the day of Jesus of Nazareth by the authority of the word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus. That's it, son. That's it. Such as I have. It's the day of Jesus of Nazareth. That's it. 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 Never to be the same. Never to be the same. Never to be the same. What tell it to Rashata? Is the name of Jesus. 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 Yes, 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 yes. Yes, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. How many of you want this in your area? How many of you want this in America? If you will come to your feet, every believer here tonight, and claim it in the name of Jesus. I don't want you to be the same. I don't ever want you to be the same. In the name of Jesus. If you're a believer here tonight, would you come to your feet? And would you begin to cry out to God? And would you begin to worship Him for the miraculous in your city, in this city, in your church, in this church? Would you get a hold of somebody. Would you get a hold of somebody as a believer and begin to command here tonight in Jesus' name. That's it. That's how it, this is how it was in the beginning, people. This is how it was in 33 AD. This is how it was in the beginning and it's being born again. I can hear the sound of the rushing mighty wind. I can hear the crackle of cloven tongues of fire. Pentecost is alive. Apostolic Pentecostalism is upon us in this hour. Yes! Hallelujah, hallelujah. I challenge you here tonight, if you are a believer, I challenge you to get a hold of somebody and say, such as I have, in the name of Jesus, something will happen. Something will happen if you believe it. You don't need me to do it. You've got the power to do it. You have the power to do it. I challenge you to get out of your seat, to get a hold of somebody. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.